Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex blogger, a sex journalist, and a beautiful little princess. I look so fucking cute right now, and I know you can't see it because this is a podcast. Too bad for you. <laughs> there are people that can see it, though. Yeah, it's true. Because we're <laughs> Who are you, friend? I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger, and I am wearing the comfiest Charmander onesie right now. Oh, you look so, so good. cute. I'm you basically look... a 12-year-old boy. You just look so cuddly, and like <laughs> I want to be next to you on a couch while you watch a movie together and talk about boys and our futures. It and... has a hood, you guys. Oh, it's a hood. It's... And a tail. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Please be my friend. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> so we're getting all warm and fuzzy today because we're talking about aftercare. This was actually a listener suggestion. Someone emailed us and was like, hey, you should do an episode about aftercare. And I was like, yes, yes, we should. Yes, we should. Such an interesting topic and so relevant to our lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bex, can you tell me a little bit about aftercare? Like, what is it and why do we need it? Why, yes, as a matter of fact, I can. <laughs> How convenient. Um, so, the thing is, when you're doing any sort of kink scene, whether you're a top or a bottom, a lot of times that'll bring you into an altered state. A lot of people call it, like, top space or subspace. It's characterized by almost a different kind of mental functioning. Like, when you're high or when you're drinking or something like that, how you're you're in just this completely different state. And aftercare is the practice you go through to get back to normal. It's kind of your buffer between the scene and reality. Mm -hmm. And it's important for most people coming out of a scene, whether no matter what side of the coin they were on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that this concept, uh, like so many things we talk about on the show, reminds me of my time as an improviser. Uh, Because... It was similar in the sense that, like, being in a scene, like an improv scene, um, does feel like an altered state. And it's, like, very high energy and very focused and very different from my everyday life. And then afterward, we would always have to kind of, like, huddle up and, like, give each other hugs and kind of talk about what had just happened and debrief a little bit. And then we could, like, go back into our lives. And I find aftercare feels very similar to me to that. Yeah. And the thing with aftercare, I think a lot of times it gets kind of passed off as an afterthought. Mm -hmm. um, like, a lot of times you hear about the kink and it's all of the things you need to do during the scene to keep it safe and to do it well and make, keep it interesting and whatever, and all of that's really important. And then they're like, oh, and don't forget to aftercare! <laughs> and then that's it. And you're like, okay. <laughs> There's more to it than that. Um, and I think true. the other thing... It, it really changes the whole, like, memory of the scene for me. Because uh, mm -hmm. if I have bad aftercare or no aftercare, I'm going to sort of stay in that shitty headspace where, like, you've been spanking me for half an hour. Does that mean you hate me? And, you know, aftercare, like, cuddling and stuff really helps remind me that, no, you don't hate me. You did this because you like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, and I think another misconception about aftercare is kind of similar to the way people think about self-care. 
is they look Mm -hmm. at it and they're like, it is sitting under fairy lights in a pile of blankets, eating your favorite food and watching Netflix. And no, sometimes (laughs) it's showering and paying the bills. Right. Um, And feeding yourself because you forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And I think aftercare is the same way. Like, sometimes it's cute and fuzzy and warm and happy. And other times it's like debriefing because something went very wrong. And you need to figure that shit out. Or sometimes it's bandaging a wound. (laughs) Because that happens. Like, if I got caned and I've got actual cuts, we might need to do a thing about that, you know? Right. And then for some people, aftercare is like, I actually need to physically get away from you. Um, Yeah. Whether for, like, a few minutes or, like, bye, peace, we're done. Um, (laughs) Deuces. And I personally, I can't imagine finding that comforting, but I can see how other people would be like, I need my, you know, my alone time, my space, my distance right now. Someone told me recently a story about a past partner of theirs who needed to, like, get away from a person immediately after a kink scene. And I was thinking about how after I had PIV sex for the first time, I needed to go and journal, like, in a different room. Because uh, I was having feelings and I didn't want to have them in front of my partner. So I was like, actually, I guess I can kind of understand that. Even though I, now I wouldn't want that. Yeah, I had, uh, when I was in Toronto with you, you had been out of town for a while. And then I was doing a scene for Spit. And while I was doing that scene is when you got back. Mm-hmm. So I basically, when we talked about aftercare, they're like, what do you need? And I'm like... I need to leave and go hang out with my best friend, <laughs> and I'm going to decompress the scene with her, so <laughs> yeah. what are you going to need after? And the person was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to need much of anything, whatever, and turned out at the end of the scene, they were very like, let's talk, and I'm <laughs> like, okay, we, I thought we, all right, <laughs> I am going to aftercare for you and hang out, and like, I really liked them, and it was like, it was fine, I was happy to sit there and talk with them and everything, but I was like, hmm. This is your aftercare. This is a little bit. Um, Yeah. And then I went and, like, decompressed with you and everything. I think it's interesting that you can do aftercare with someone other than the person who you did a scene with. Um, Yeah. It's something that a lot of people don't think about or don't realize. But, like, if you're in a situation where, for example, your partner has to leave immediately uh, to go to work or to go do another thing, whatever, um, and you are not going to be able to do the aftercare you need, you can, like, invite a friend over or, like, go see a family member or something if they kind of get it, um, and, and that can sort of replace it. Although I think for me personally, I don't know if that would work because I feel like I need that connectivity with that person. But again, like, aftercare is so unique to each individual, which is one of the things that makes it so interesting to me. Yeah, because even, like, if you're poly... Aftercare might be getting to a partner that you have a more established dynamic with mm-hmm. and getting away from someone that you don't know that well. Because, like, I've done some, like, pickup play with people that I don't really know. And when I do kink stuff, for me, aftercare is being like, deuces, I need to go talk to someone that I can be vulnerable with. And uh, yeah. that's not you. So bye. <laughs> um, that's you kind know, of adorable. So- like, what a poly <laughs> love story. That's so sweet. Yeah, so for me, sometimes it's like, wow, I really need to talk about this and deconstruct my feelings. Uh, I'm not doing that with you. <laughs> um, so sometimes, for, oh, or a lot of time for me, aftercare is, can be with someone else. Like, that's why 
when we were doing the thing, I was like, can you come meet me at the spot where we're shooting the scene? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't, I, I guess that's fine, but uh, <laughs> I want want to see your face. Yeah. <laughs> I was glad I could be there for you. Yeah. But so, like, what does aftercare typically look like for you? Like, what are your preferences with this? Uh, usually it's being able to talk over the scene a little bit with the person that I just did it with, some sort of, like, play-by-play, or, oh, I loved this thing, oh, what did you think of that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I like to get positive affirmations from them. Um, Like, after this spit scene, there was a thing that we tried that was way hard on me and I wasn't able to do for as long as I thought I would. Um, And I was feeling kind of crappy about it, and afterwards the person was like, wow, you did that for so long? That's like a really advanced thing, I didn't expect you to be able to do that, blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, okay. So that kind of helped. Mm -hmm. Just getting that other perspective, because sometimes you don't communicate about things in a scene, uh, and hearing their angle on it afterwards is really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and practically, I usually need some sort of snack, uh, ideally something sweet, like chocolates or something, and I don't usually like chocolate, um, but it feels like, kind of like you would eat chocolate after, uh, why are you making that face at me? <laughs> I mean, I think you like chocolate, babe. I- <laughs> no, I can't. It makes me sick. That's just so weird. I think of you as being someone who just likes all sweet things, but... No, I can't eat sweet things. I didn't mean to doubt your own (laughs) testimony of your tastes. I was just... No. Like, I like ice cream and I like cookies, but I don't really like cakes. I don't... Like, sweet thing, like, I can eat half a brownie, I can eat three bars of a Kit Kat, and then I feel sick, and I always have to give the fourth (laughs) one away. And the third one is more than I should eat. Um... But after a kink scene, yeah, after a kink scene is one of the only times I'll eat, like, a chocolate bar or something, mm-hmm. um, because I need the sugar, because my blood sugar crashes. Right. And I, uh, I need something to, like, feel better. I kind of compare it like you would eat it. It, it feels almost like the way you would eat candy after a Dementor in Harry Potter. <laughs> yes, yeah. It you need it your, to, your like, get it back. happiness back, yeah. Yeah. Same thing, sense. like, after a kink scene, I want something, like, sweet and candy-like. Right. Um, and, yeah. Um, I haven't really perfected my aftercare routine, though. A lot of times I wind up kind of fuzzy for a little while after, especially, like, a really good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when I did birthday bruises, I was... I had half a foot in subspace well into the next day. And then I, I went and got pierced. Yeah, I mean, that is Woo. fair, because that was, like, a very long... Like, that was, I think, longer than a typical kink scene would be yeah. if you were just doing it with a partner, because we were having multiple people spank you over the course of, like, an evening live stream. So, yeah, that was pretty intense, yeah, I can was Yeah, it was probably, like, between an hour and two hours, right? I think it was longer than that, but I don't know. Um, I got hit 350 times. I know that. And yeah. I think it, the... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, podcast people. Right, um, right. But I think I think it worked out to be about an hour, hour and a half of actual spanking. Mm. But I think also that was probably more emotionally intense than it might be if you were just with one person. Because you had all these people watching you. And yeah. I find, like, a lot of what puts me into subspace is, like, not only the sensations that are happening to me, but also the sense that I kind of have to, like, hold it together. Um 
So I I kind of go deeper into that space when I'm with someone who I feel like I have to impress or who I'm not entirely comfortable around because part of like my mental energy is being expended on like, how weird am I being right now? Do I need to like rein it in and like try to be a normal human? And that takes up a lot of energy. So um, yeah, for me, uh, you've talked about this too, how like when I'm entertaining or whatever i have an entertainer persona it's so that cute. like you turn into a little stand-up comedian <laughs> <laughs> i do i do um and i was kind of in that headspace while also in a scene <laughs> which was interesting and cool like hey folks um, look how red my butt is am i right <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. did you see finger guns <laughs> um so yeah that and i was like trying to manage a bunch of stuff going on um so when i f- felt myself really like losing it into subspaces when I kind of called that because I was like there's a lot of people and not everyone's sober and very soon I'm not going to be able to monitor myself and there's too much going on for everyone else to monitor me right. so right um but we're talking a lot about subspace what like what is subspace what does that feel like to you so I get very spacey uh so it's an apt word um <laughs> It's sort of like when I get really tired uh, and that type of tired where you're like kind of giggly and kind of all over the place and unfocused. Um, And for me, like because a lot of my kink stuff is like daddy dom little girl stuff, I also sometimes have a little bit of like little space mixed in there. So I might act a little bit younger and smaller than I am, uh, which often manifests as like a lot of giggling uh, not being able to follow a train of thought very well, uh, just basically acting like a really tired 12-year-old, and, like, one of those 12-year-olds who, like, does not want to admit that she's too tired to stay up any longer. (laughs) She's like, no, I can totally hang with the adults, but she's, like, not making sense, and you're like, you need to get your butt to bed, young lady. Um, (laughs) that's me in subspace. And I also get, like, really, like, physically, uh, exhausted and depleted, so, like, I need food and water and uh cuddles and probably some sleep mine is a little more like three-year-old who doesn't know how tired they are Mm -hmm. because like the 12 year old is like yeah you need to get your butt up to bed uh the three-year-old is already face down on the floor (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is more about where i'm at i tend to like get more like less giggly giggly is more pre-subspace for me once i'm actually like really deep in subspace i'm more like spaced out and just kind of like very low energy and like coming out of a scene i'm like i just i need to lay down right Mm -hmm. here is good this seems like a nice spot (laughs) um (laughs) and just like kind of done um and there is a little bit of, like, I get a little bit of that little space where I'm just, like, I need to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, like, especially right after a scene, I can't make decisions. You can't oh, be like, totally. what do you want? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I read a thing on Twitter recently which has really changed uh, my perception of, like, how to deal with somebody who's going through a hard time. And it said... Um, instead of asking someone like, is there anything I can do for you? You can ask them, what do you need? Because maybe they need, um, 
something that they wouldn't think of you as being able to deliver but like that question helps you maybe get closer to figuring out what they actually need and Mm -hmm. I think even that question is probably a little beyond my capacity in subspace for the most part because like I'm not really sure what I need um but it is the kind of thing that like if you ask me what I need beforehand I might be able to answer that question Uh, which leads me into something I wanted to ask you, which is like, do you discuss aftercare beforehand with a partner or do you just kind of let it happen? I usually try to, Mm -hmm. um, if, especially if we're like planning a scene or something, I usually try to talk about it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, the only times I don't is like, if I'm at a play party and someone is just like, Hey, and I'm like, Oh, we're already making out decision made, I guess. Uh, That's a great impression of anybody at a play party. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I do a play party. So what are you talking about? Uh, how you doing? <laughs> how fucking charming. Um, but yeah, if like with that, I'll tend to just like go through the cliff notes really quick of like, these are my boundaries. These are my safe words. Uh, these are my safer sex protocols if that's going to come up. Oh, look, my pants are off. I guess we're doing a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you? I, um, so my aftercare preferences are, I think, pretty standard. So I haven't typically discussed them with people because they're usually just things that you would probably do anyway. Um, I like a lot of cuddling. I like to be told I was really good. Uh, like you were saying, like to be affirmed that I did whatever I was supposed to be doing really well. Um, cause a lot of my subspacey headspace is like, I might get into like an anxiety spiral about like, did I fuck up? Did I not do what I was supposed to do? Did I not impress my dom enough? Um, so being told that I did a good job is helpful. Another thing I really liked recently, um, which I told a partner in advance, the other day because I knew I probably wouldn't be able to articulate it once I was in subspace I really like after a spanking for someone to like climb on top of me and just literally lie on top of me um Mm -hmm. which is kind of like how people with anxiety sometimes use like a weighted blanket or something like that uh to kind of like press them down and make them feel physically like grounded um Mm -hmm. I find that so comforting and my like newish partner person who like I should I call him my partner? I don't know. I'm having a crisis about this right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, a, a new person who I'm seeing, um, like, laid on top of me a couple nights ago after, like, a very intense spanking. And we just kind of, like, breathed in unison until I kind of just, like, floated back to earth. And it was the best. It reminded me of, like, when you take a yoga class and at the end there's this thing called shavasana where you just lie flat on the floor on your back and just kind of like breathe and like feel all the ways that your body feels different from how it did when you started the class and it's like the most blissful thing like I always fall asleep (laughs) it was like that it was like kink shavasana it was fucking great (laughs) yeah I think um that kind of reminds me of a time where um I was having a scene with my sir and like All of a sudden, in the middle of the scene, I was not okay. I, like, kind of disassociated, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, my body doesn't feel attached to me anymore. We need to stop touching it. (laughs) That's not great. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you've ever had that where, like, you feel, like, outside of your body. Yes. And, like, 
Yeah. That happened. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I was like, we need to not do this. And he was like, okay, what do we need to do? He's like, all right, like, what do you want to, can we? And I was like, none of, none of the things <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, none of, I was like, and that's, I wasn't quite as eloquent, but I was basically like, my body feels wrong. We need to stop touching it. <laughs> and he was like, all right. And we just like laid on the couch um, and I was like laying on his chest and he had just a big bag of goldfish and was eating them and then just feeding me some. Oh. And I was just like, I'm just going to stay here until <laughs> I feel human again. Um, and we figured like it was maybe a blood sugar thing. So like we went to get food and he was like, what do you want to eat? And, I, and that's when I realized I was like, no idea. Can't, de- can't make those decisions. Nope. Can't do those things. Nope. Um, so now I try to like plan stuff like that beforehand yeah so that i can communicate like if something goes wrong it's like you already know what you need to do to make it better so fix the thing yeah i kind of did that the other night um we went out on a dinner date and then on our way back i bought my favorite flavor of haagen ice cream uh so that i would have it because i knew we were going to do like an intense spanking um and that that was really good but like what you're saying is making me think about how I'm increasingly not interested in doing kink with people I don't know very well because Mm -hmm. it feels unsafe and ill-advised for me Um, because, like, if I'm with someone who does not know me and does not know what I typically need as part of aftercare, I might not be assertive enough at that point to be like, here are the things that I need you to do right now. Um, So if they're fucking up and, like, not not being great about it i i won't really have a recourse i won't really have anything i can do about that and then i might just have like a shitty um not coming down from subspace properly situation and that's not great i bought ice cream for uh first like aftercare at one point during that trip as well except it wound up being put on my butt as ice (laughs) um (laughs) mid spanking because if you cool a butt down mid spanking and then hit it again it fucking hurts <laughs> <laughs> wonderful so my aftercare ice cream was turned against me <laughs> it betrayed me <laughs> i will also say something i have found really helpful for aftercare is like dumb cartoons um mm. pixar movies uh there's this show you should watch called mike tyson mysteries um which was introduced to me by a dom partner because like we were doing aftercare things and he was like what do you want to watch and i was like something colorful and stupid and he was like oh i know the perfect thing um (laughs) he put on mike tyson mysteries it's so funny and so dumb i love it so much um, cause like that kind of thing, uh, doesn't require a ton of brain power, but is just like fun and uplifting to look at. So I find that helpful for aftercare. Yeah. And sometimes just having something where you can be near someone mm-hmm. without having to do anything. Yeah. I could definitely see that being helpful as well. So one thing we didn't really touch on because we're both bottoms, we're really focusing on, uh, aftercare for bottoms, but... To be honest, that's a lot of the narrative you hear about aftercare. Mm-hmm. But it's important to note that a lot of times tops do need aftercare as well. Yes. Um, just kind of like, even if it's just a reminder that, oh yeah, I'm not the awful evil villain that I was <laughs> pretending to be. Uh, and I know 
for a lot of people, it's super helpful to just hear, yes, that is what I wanted to happen. Yeah. Yes, that did feel good for me. Right. Like, yes, I do still like you. Um, have you ever experienced anything else with doms that they might need for aftercare? Um, I've talked to so many doms who, like, when aftercare is brought up, they'll just kind of be like, oh, I just try to do whatever my sub needs. I'm just there for my sub. It's just my job there to, like, support them at that time. And I'm always like, well, surely, like, there's something that you need. Like, yeah. And if you're not able to articulate it, then maybe it just happens to be the same as what your sub always needs. Um, So you don't notice it. But I feel like uh, from my understanding of the science, you do go through similar physiological changes when you're topping as you do when you're bottoming. Like there's differences in endorphins and um, blood flow, etc. So like physiologically, it makes sense you would need aftercare. Um, And I think it's similar in the ways that like people who are socialized as male are like, I don't feel those feelings because I am a boy and boys don't. Um, <laughs> right, right. So it's like they're socialized to believe that they don't need it. So right. they kind of just, you know, barge through life not needing it. And like, it could still be helpful. And for some people, maybe they don't need a lot of specific stuff as aftercare. But I think for most tops, it can be really helpful. A, just to be validated. And B, I think... I know a lot of tops find caring for their gear or having their gear cared for, um, cleaning it up, putting it away, wrapping up your rope, cleaning leathers, that kind of thing mm-hmm. can be a really good aftercare as well. Mm-hmm. Just like getting everything back to zero can be kind of meditative and helpful. Right. And I like to do a lot of physical touch because I figure like when I've been through something physically intense, whether it's like... Uh, a lot of exercise or um, I can't think of anything else physically intense I've ever done. (laughs) But anything like that, I often like to be touched and held and kind of physically brought down. Um, And then I also try to make a point to always say at least one thing, like I really liked when you did XYZ or like my favorite part of that was XYZ. Um, like you said, to kind of reiterate that, like, that was something I wanted. I did enjoy myself. Even if I was screaming in pain, I was into it. So don't worry. Um, Yeah. And, like, a lot of, like, kissing and cuddling and just affectionate things that just, they serve the purpose of communicating, like, yes, I still like you. I wanted that. Thank you for doing that. Fuck that and fuck yeah is our weekly segment where we tell you something we hate and something we love. What's your fuck that this week? My fuck that is when aftercare doesn't really work. Like, I mean, mm. it's good, but it doesn't do its intended purpose. And I still wind up in spud space. Mashed potatoes for days. Your aftercare. <laughs> um... <laughs> I want to go to... Mom, can we go to Spud Space? <laughs> um, when I still wind up in subspace, despite, like, aftercare and everything, and it's just... Everything's still kind of fuzzy, and I still feel kind of disconnected from, like, the world. But I'm, like, out and in the world and supposed to be functioning like mm-hmm. human being. Yeah. And... 
it's just, it's like when you're accidentally higher than you want to be. Yes. And it can't, you can't, you're like, ah, shit. Uh, (laughs) Why did I do this? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But luckily that doesn't happen super often for me, but every once in a while I'm like, how do I make this go away? (laughs) What about you? What's your fuck that? My fuck that is crying from kink. But it's sort of bittersweet because I feel like usually it's it works out okay. Uh, like sometimes if I get a really intense spanking, um, I might cross into a territory where I start crying not from the pain, but just because like the pain brings up all these feelings and like whatever I'm sad about in my entire life, suddenly I start crying about that. So I might be like, my cat died two years ago and I'm still not over it. Or like, I'm fundamentally alone in the world. <laughs> I just start crying I feel like a response for most intense sensation is to cry. It's true. Like, it's, <laughs> I, I'm a big Any crier. intense feeling. Yeah. When I was negotiating the spanking scene with my dude the other day, he was like, so if you start crying, like, does that mean stop? Like, what do I do if you start crying? And I was like, eh, you could probably keep going. It's probably fine. <laughs> I I just cry all the time anyway. He but... should. Yeah, he should. He'll get used to it. He will. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? If, what do I do if you start crying? Ah, ideally show up in a Batman onesie with tissues. <laughs> just the memory of that oh god but okay so it is my fuck that but i also think that it can be a nice thing because sometimes when i want a really intense spanking to help with my mental health or my mood or whatever that's kind of what i'm going for and i've heard some spanking fetishists say that the crying during a spanking is almost like the orgasm during sex like it's kind of what you're trying to get to for some people and in some cases and I have had that experience of like it's so cathartic and it's so cleansing and it's what I'm looking for sometimes when I want a spanking so like as embarrassing and difficult as it can be sometimes it is also kind of nice in a weird way what is your fuck yeah my fuck yeah is 24-hour diners Ooh, yes yes (laughs) (laughs) Because being able to go out and get, like, breakfast at 2 a.m. or, like, ice cream or whatever after a scene is excellent. Mm -hmm. Ugh, so good. What about you? What's your fuck yeah? Well, I was just gonna say, I think it's important to note that the best place in Toronto to go for this is 7 West. Yes. Um, If you are in or around or visiting Toronto, you need to go to 7 West. It is our favorite post-sex spot. I have gone there so many times after sex and it is really the best because like not only is it open 24 7 but also like the lighting's really dim so there's this kind of like sensual romantic vibe to it that feels like I feel like I can safely be a little bit subspacey there uh and it's it's not too jarring like you know a fluorescently lit Denny's or whatever like it's kind of chill I have a (laughs) greasy spoon diner that is less than a block from me Mm -hmm. um I'm not going to say the name because it's less than a block from me, but it's just like your generic 24 hour diner where you can get like greasy hash browns and everything. And it's just so good. The best. So good. (laughs) Uh, My fuck yeah is non-sexual massage. 
I find this is really, really nice for aftercare. And actually, the new dude I'm seeing told me recently that he loves giving massages, like just unironically adores the act of giving massages. And I was like, uh, hi, like, <laughs> hi, hello. We should be friends or perhaps <laughs> more than friends. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a, uh, I have a bottle of massage oil that was made by our friend Tynan Rhea just in my kink drawer next to my bed in the hopes of one day receiving an aftercare massage. I think that that would be really nice. That would be really, really nice. You know what's also really nice is when people send us questions for us to answer on the show. They, and they do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that again. Um, we've actually gotten a bunch of those lately, but I picked one special for this show, and I'm so excited by how many we have. Please send us more. Yay! <laughs> um, so this one we got in, uh, I think, like a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, but it just it fit this topic perfectly, so I saved it. Uh Person writes, Hi, Kate and Bex. I have just discovered the podcast. Being both a huge dork and a lover of dildos, I immediately fell in love. Yeah, I'm a kinky queer lady attending college in the LA area. It's a small, tight-knit community of nerds with lots of weird traditions, many of which involve physical contact. The best kinds. <laughs> uh, highlights include dog piles, group wrestling, and consensual kidnapping. I've been a masochist and a sensory seeker for as long as I can remember, so this is great for me. But I have a tendency to get really blissed out, sometimes even to the point where I'm verging on nonverbal. For a while, I've wondered if this experience was a kind of subspace, and your descriptions during the spanking episode really resonated with me. When this happens around people I trust, it's a great experience, and for the most part, I've been able to avoid attaching subfields to the individuals involved. But sometimes I worry that I'm taking advantage of people in some way, or denying them the option to give fully informed consent. Additionally, I don't always anticipate what will take me there. When I got my nose pierced, the experience was so powerful that I became too floaty and out of it to walk home. Luckily, I was with a friend and they were able to call a ride, but I'm not sure how I would have handled the situation if I were alone. In the future, should I try to avoid certain activities I enjoy out of respect for others or for my own safety? Am I good? XOXO, masochist math major. So it seems like part of the question you're asking is, like, whether it's non-consenty and gross for you to be in subspace around other people. Like, if it's non-consenty toward them. And I don't think it is. Like, for me, subspace is, like, not a sexy space. Uh, and certainly when I'm in subspace, I'm not being a creep or hitting on people or being overly sexual or familiar with people. Uh, so for me, I would imagine, like, if you're in subspace around someone, they might look at you and be like, oh, that person's acting really weird. Uh, or, oh, that person seems high or drunk. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to be uncomfortable on, like, a sexy level. Um, some people get uncomfortable being around people who seem to be intoxicated, and that might be a problem. But I feel like if you are in these situations and you know that this tends to happen to you, you could maybe give a little disclaimer, like you don't necessarily have to go into a whole spiel about like explaining what subspace is and how this relates to subspace for you. But you could be like, sometimes when I do this kind of thing, I get kind of loopy afterward and I need X, Y, Z things to like help me come down from that. And that will kind of give people like a sense of what to expect. Yeah. And I think the difference here is like the headspace you're going into it in. Like when you talked about getting your nose pierced, you were like, uh, this thing happened to me. Whoops. (laughs) Um, and like, when I got my nipples pierced, I was kind of subspacey after. It was a little different for me, um, but I had, like, the blood sugar crash immediately after. 
um, the same way I do after a scene. Um, and then I just felt kind of weird and out of it. It, like, my body was like, we have new holes in us and there's metal. I think we're dying. (laughs) And my brain was like, no, it's, it's fine. We did that on purpose. And I could feel the rest of my body being like, nope, definitely dying. Uh, we should check this out. This is not good. Mm -hmm. Um... So I think that's pretty normal, and I think most piercers are going to, like, not be completely shocked by that. Like, that kind of spacey feeling, or someone even passing out after, or something like that. Like, I think those are all within the realm of experience for Mm -hmm. a piercer. However, going into get your nose pierced and being like, oof, gonna do this sexy thing with this sexy piercer, and then I'm gonna feel all these sexy feelings and get all subspacey. Um, that's a little creepy and objectifying and not ideal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at, like, your subspace as your body's reaction to intense sensation, uh, and just something you can prepare for is, like, totally chill. Um, I wouldn't, I would practice ways to keep yourself safe in subspace, which I think is kind of the other half of your question, and just making sure you can stay somewhat present, Um, or going into these environments, like you're talking about things like group wrestling and kidnapping and dog piles and that kind of stuff. These all sound like environments where a lot of people are going to be around. Mm -hmm. So like have one or two people you really disclose this to and be like, yo, this is the thing. This is how I react to it. And again, you're not going into it. Like I'm going to go in this group wrestling thing where everyone else is like really chill about it, but I find it super hot and I'm like... (laughs) getting my rocks off without talking to these people about it. Like, that's, mm. But going into it just playfully and being like, this is a reaction that I sometimes have about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and having one or two people that really know what that reaction is like and how to take care of you when you're feeling that way, mm-hmm. I think could be really helpful. I would also add that if you find yourself in a situation where you're in subspace and you're not with anybody who can really take care of you in that situation, it might be helpful to have a friend you can reach out to online to talk to at that time. So like, I know that I've had a couple of times in my life when I was in subspace and the person who kind of put me there was not able to do the aftercare that I needed. So I texted Bex. I was like, hey, uh, I am fully in subspace right now. What do I do? And I remember one of the times you like... I stopped at McDonald's to get some chicken nuggets and then you were like telling me to like get home and like to update you when I arrived home safely and just kind of like talking to you even though it was in a textual medium served a similar purpose to like doing that kind of debriefing after a scene so that was helpful for me if you have a friend who you trust to do that with that can be a great option. Yeah, I've definitely done that, too. Uh, When I went to Vegas, I was there with like some of my vanilla co-workers and we went on this zip line, and it's called the Zoom Line. It's down on Fremont Street in Old Vegas. It takes you 10 stories up in the air, puts you prone, Superman style, and pushes you off a building. <laughs> and you zip line down uh, the entire street past all of, like, the neon lights and everything. It's really, really cool, and you're in this, like, chest harness that's just supporting you. Uh, and you go... And you lay down on the chest harness, they strap you in, and then the ground kind of comes out from under you. And the second that happened, I started giggling and did not stop for the duration of the ride. I was like, this is amazing, oh my god. And then, like, the door comes down, and you just see the street below you, and they push you out. 
And I got to the end and was like, down, walking down the street at the end, like, that was the best thing ever. Oh my God, that was so much fun. Can we do it again? Can we? Oh my God. And they were like, uh, it was $45. So no. And I was like, ah, oh, I have $45. It's fine. Um, and then I wound up like texting, I think you and maybe a couple other people and was just like, um, I exa- I accidentally just had a scene with a zip line. So can someone talk about this with me or something? Because... I need assistance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's weird how, like, subspace does come up in, like, sometimes random-ass situations. And it's kind of nice that, like, as a kinkster, you can actually recognize what that feeling is and put a name to it and then kind of know what to do afterwards. Like, when I've gotten tattoos, I've totally gone into subspace. And if I wasn't a kinkster, I don't think I would have known what to do. Like, people tell you to, like, eat something and drink water. But that's physical stuff, and there's emotional stuff that you have to do sometimes for that. So I think that's one of the ways that being a kinkster has really enriched my life, is giving me the knowledge of, like, what do I do with all these weird feelings? <laughs> yeah, the uh, when I get tattoos, it's more of the euphoric kind of subspace, the same way that I had with the zip line, where I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing, everything's beautiful, has no one seen the world? The world is great, you guys! <laughs> um, whereas a piercing is more of the foggy, fuzzy subspace for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is just such a quick, fast impact, whereas the other ones are more, they kind of happen over time. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Let's bring bring us on home, Kate. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Dildorks. This was another hashtag Dildorks Live event, which we do via our Patreon. And if you pledge five or more dollars an episode, you get to watch us do an episode a month live streamed over the internet, which is weird because uh, you can see our faces and all the weird things our faces are doing. Our faces <laughs> do a lot of weird things. And I'm wearing pajamas you know. that say princess on them, so that's happening. You also get to hear how many times it takes us to do simple things we do every episode like say <laughs> welcome to the dildorks <laughs> very so many takes you guys <laughs> so many takes i have been kate sloan you can find my sex blog at girlyjuice.net and all my other writing at katewritesaboutsex.com and you can also follow me on twitter and instagram at girly underscore juice where's your stuff at I'm Bex. You can find me at BexTalkSex.com for all my writing and BexTalkSex on Twitter and Instagram, which I'm using now, like some social media professional or something. I know. I've you been seeing see my face. I know. Amazing selfies. You're so good at selfies. More, I've been practicing. Please. Oh, there will be so many more. <laughs> um, together we're the Dildarks. We're at the Dildarks on Twitter and Instagram, which we're not great at using yet, but you know, one down, one to go. Okay. <laughs> You can also find all our episodes at thedildarks.com or by searching The Dildarks in your favorite podcast app. And like you said earlier, we're even on The Dildarks at patreon.com slash thedildorks where you can find and support us. Thank you so much to Protodome for letting us use his song I Want You in My Bedroom as our theme song and to Amy Gardner at starboots underscore on Twitter for doing our art for us. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks. Get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. 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 <laughs> Let's make a cup of tea.
your look right now, though, is just so, so very good. It is very me. <laughs> the Charmander and the Collar together are just like, just like so the Bexiest Bex. This is my aesthetic. Just peak Bex right now. Bex, can you tell me a little bit about aftercare? Like, what is that? And why do we... <laughs> let, me say, let me say that again. Uh, Bex, can you tell me a little bit about... Nope. <laughs> my mouth. Take three. My mouth doesn't want a mouth today. Aren't these live people so glad that they're getting this mm. quality content? Mm. I am a professional broadcaster from a family of professional broadcasters. Um, Bex, can you tell kidding. me... Fuck. <laughs> Let me say the thing.